Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. With Jesse and Anita, T- Tobias and Sarah. Uh, or Prisca and Aquila? Yeah, or Aquila, Aquila and Prisca. Prisca. <laughs> we always get that. We, we got to get, get that. Wrong, we'll get it right. We'll get it right. I know. Hey, we got a. Uh, here's on the rundown today. We're going to be talking about the Ouija board. Yes. And we're going to be talking about the power of the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, most people don't know about the origins of, of, of the backdrop to the movie The Exorcist, the one that came out in 1973. We're going to go through the actual account of what mm-hmm. happened. And the Ouija board had a lot to do with this possession. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's something that uh, we need to inform our Catholic brothers and sisters, our Catholic family, because we know you have a lot of family, and so do we, that are dabbling with the Ouija board, or they're very curious about it. And after they listen to the show, they won't be curious anymore. They're going to either want to delve into it or not. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully not. After hopefully not. That's, that's our objective. Yep. By the way, there's a war in the Middle East. Make sure you're praying the rosaries every yes, day like Our Lady of Fatima asked us. And uh, this, the month of October is, is uh, dedicated to the Holy Rosary. So uh, there's a lot of reasons to pray the rosary. Our Lady of Fatima asked us. Mm-hmm. There's a war. Yep. Uh, this is, war is a consequence of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she asked us to pray our rosaries uh, for, to bring peace into the world. And also it's the month of October. It's the month of our, uh, the Holy Rosary. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure make sure you're doing something extra, extra prayers yep. throughout the day, extra penance. Do something, yeah, yep. because we are living in dangerous times absolutely, right now. Absolutely, absolutely. That's something that we want to really contemplate. Go to the Blessed Sacrament if you can go more than once. You know, yeah. at, at least fifteen minutes, at least ten minutes, or dr- if yeah. you don't have the uh, exposition or adoration chapel, you don't go into to. the church. Go Just the church. go in the church. Just sit there for five minutes. Jesus. We lift up all our sufferings to you. You know, you know, have mercy on us. Yeah. Have mercy on all of us. Yeah. You know, because yeah, we need God's mercy because we yes. have some bad leadership right now in the Absolutely world. Absolutely bad, yeah. and we got to pray for their conversion. Yeah. You know, they are yeah. poor sinners. Those are the ones we have to pray for. But of course, for ourselves also. Yeah. They're poor sinners with power, but with they're, power, they're, they're poor sinners just like yeah, we are. poor sinners because they're sinners. Yeah. <laughs> And today's also the feast day of St. Paul of the Cross. Pray for us. Yes. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to today's topic. Uh, <clears throat> most people have probably seen the movie, The Exorcist, that 1973 movie. Uh, that's pretty much what started the conversation. Yeah, with Linda Blair, right? Yeah, with yeah, Le- Linda, Linda Blair. Blair uh, yeah, she was the, the possessed yeah, in and, the movie. Yeah, and then you have also... An ergaman. You have uh, these... Uh, Blatty, William Blatty, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it was another Jewish producer that, yeah, that um, came up with the movie. Fred uh, Friedkin. 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 Yeah. Now, this movie, this blockbuster movie, really opened the doors to a lot of people's understanding uh, about diabolical possession. So, we want to go into the actual story behind the movie mm-hmm. so you could see the true account of what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and by the way, St. Michael and Our Lady of Fatima had a big part in this movie. And most people don't know about it because it's not depicted in the movie. Mm-hmm. So this year, 2023, 
it marks the 74th anniversary of the only documented exorcism in the United States of America mm-hmm. with this much detail, actually. Mm-hmm. There's other ones that have been documented now, but yep. this one's this very detailed. Mm-hmm. This is important because one of the biggest lies of the devil is to convince mankind that he does not exist. This perhaps explains the stunned reaction of audiences to the dramatized version of this exorcism in the 1973 movie, The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. The scenes in the film were so gruesome that they caused many theater goers to throw up while others fainted and had to be taken away by ambulance. Hmm. I wonder if they were also possessed <laughs> or afflicted. At least afflicted. Yeah. Right. One man leaving the theater said it best. I believe. I believe. This was a testimony of someone who once again believed in the devil. See, so there is. In other a, words, a the devil that existed. Right, that's that he what exists. he thinks. That right. he exists. And that's one of the good things yep. about movies like this, yep. Nefarious mm-hmm. and yeah. other movies. Not to become awareness, right? It, yeah. yeah. To bring Just awareness. To become aware that this is yes. true because so many people have become so secular mm-hmm. that they say there's no angels or demons. Mm-hmm. So my life is great. Yeah. So that's that's one mm-hmm. one positive. Uh, note about all these movies yes. is that it does make people aware as Catholics especially mm-hmm. of the reality of angels and demons absolutely yeah. so while the vivid scenes of the movie showed the horror and repugnance of demonic possession it left out the most important part of the true story of this possessed Marilyn boy he was freed from the devil's clutches through the intercession of Our Lady of Fatima and the power of Saint Michael. Now, I've wow. talked to many exorcists, and I've I've seen people possessed, and I've seen people get prayed over. Uh, some of the things that we saw in that movie were sensationalized. For example, mm-hmm. there's no case recorded in the Catholic Church of a possessed person turning their head uh, all the way around 360 degrees, like like in the movie. Mm-hmm. That can't happen yep. because the demon can only do to the body what the body's able to do naturally. Mm-hmm. So. A, a human person can't turn their head around 360 degrees. Uh, a demon can't artistic. Yeah, a demon can't do to the body. Uh, mm-hmm. Can't do that. No. Also, that you know, spewing out of avocado. That that uh, that that doesn't happen. They usually they'll vomit, or they'll start foaming at the mouth. But that green stuff coming out that was also artistic mm-hmm. license. See, mm-hmm. yeah. Is that what yeah, artistic art- licensing? Yeah, artistic license. See, yeah, mm-hmm. from Hollywood. Yeah. So. This uh, The Ouija board had a lot to do with this possession. The central figure in the story was a teenager known by the pseudonyms Robbie Mannheim or Roland Doe. While Robbie's true identity and that of his relatives remains a secret, the details of the extraordinary events of this 1949 exorcism was meticulously recorded in the book Possessed by Thomas Allen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Robbie grew up in Mount Rainier, Maryland, as the only child of Carl and Phyllis Mannheim, also pseudonyms, he would often play games with adults. One such person was his Aunt Harriet, a spiritualist who lived in St. Louis, Missouri, and frequently visited the Mannheims. During a visit by Phyllis Mannheim in January of 1949, she came to visit her brother and sister-in-law, mm-hmm. she taught her 13-year-old nephew, Robbie, how to use a Ouija board. Hmm. Not long afterwards, the Mannheims noticed strange things happening around their son. 
They heard strange noises in his room, such as the incessant sound of dripping water and later a scratchy noise like claws scraping across the wood. Around the same time, Aunt Harriet, she had died, his aunt died, and Robbie began using the Ouija board as a means to contact her. He would use the board for hours on end until the game became for him a possession, both figuratively and literally. And so you got to watch who you live yes, in your you house. Got, yeah, even you if watch. family members. Right. You don't know right. what type of practices, especially if you have children. Yes, absolutely. You don't know what type of practices are involved in, and I'm I'm sure there's people in all of our families that are involved in the occult. Yeah, and you know what? I I think the parents were negligent in this respect that they allowed her to be alone with their son. How did they not know that he was playing with the Ouija board? Yeah. Maybe they felt like it was uh it, 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 there's no harm to using the Ouija board, but uh, that's it, something that um they should have known. We parents, you parents out there, you know, just be careful who the adults are. I know, you know, we have family members. Oh, we could trust them. We could trust them. Yeah, that that's true. But there's a limit of trust, and you gotta you gotta hold your kids with, especially when they're they're in a room with your son for yeah, hours. Yeah, for hours. That's said, okay. What are you doing with my son? Right. In the room? That is. Yeah. Yes. That is very strange. Yeah. Uh, so the house is going through what's called diabolic infestation. These are the classic signs of diabolic infestation in a house. Mm -hmm. Soon as parents noticed alarming physical abnormalities mm -hmm. on their son's body, such as scratch marks, welts, and bruises, mm -hmm. which appeared for no apparent reason. So Robbie also had diabolical oppression, mm -hmm. physical mm -hmm. attacks. More disturbing still was the personality transformation. Their normally quiet, timid boy suddenly became aggressive with frequent outbursts of anger and violent, violent temper tantrums mm -hmm. directed at him. He began to speak in Latin, <clears throat> a language he had no means of knowing. That is when the parents decided they needed help. So Robbie started mm -hmm. to manifest signs of demonic possession. Mm -hmm. Some of these things that the article mm -hmm. just says. And now mom and dad are saying, you know what? Uh, this ain't normal. We, right, need, we need to get right. some help. Isn't that strange that they decided to to do something about it when they saw physical signs. You know, I mean, the signs come before the physical, you know, many times. You know, their, 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 their fear, you know, I'm being attacked, mom, what's going on? Yeah, there's things happening. I wonder if there was communication. Yeah, the things happening in the room. Yeah, the things happening in the room. Did you hear yeah. it? Strange noises So that's in the room. really strange that, you know, Straight they waited, across they waited until there's physical yeah. evidence. Yeah. On him. Well, I just think mm -hmm. most people are in denial. Yeah, when, yeah, that's true. That's true. Wait, <laughs> oh, it'll pass. It'll yeah. pass. It's just, oh, that's just the creaking of the the settling yeah. of the house. Gonna, you know, we always say that. Oh, it's the settling of the house. They're yeah, right, right, right. People just don't want to. Mm -hmm. They don't want to accept the, the yeah. reality of this. Yeah, right, okay. right. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. They they tried everything from a regular medical doctor to psychologists, psychiatrists, and even a psychic before finally turning their minister. Oh, our, our Lady Guadalupe. The cause of our joy. Yes. Uh, our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. We'll be back. We're talking about the actual story of the exorcism that uh, became the 1973 movie. We'll be right back. Stay with us, family. Pray for us. Guadalupe, pray for us. 
St. Paul the Cross. Your beauty and your grace. Pray for us, Our Lady Guadalupe. <laughs> yes. By the way, um, <clears throat> we're talking about the movie, the the Exorcist, the 1973 movie, the, but the actual case happened in in Maryland in 1949, and it was a young boy. It wasn't a young girl. I know Linda Blair played the movie. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Linda Blair. It wasn't a female. It was a young boy. And uh, the family, they were Lutheran. They weren't Catholics. So let's get into, um, we'll continue talking about when the parents turned to the Lutheran pastor. Yeah, these, they said they tried everything from a regular medical doctor to psychologists, psychiatrists, and even a psychic before finally turning to their minister, Reverend Luther Miles Schultz. While the parents already considered the possibility of diabolical possession, Pastor Schultz, Schultz was skeptical. He looked upon possession, quote, as a medi- medieval relic, something that had been left to Catholics when the Luther-led Reformation split the Christian world. Yeah, that's one of the See things that the Reformers, they rejected. Yeah. They rejected the, yeah. the idea See, that's of the prejudice. possession. Yep. Well, yep. To, their, to their own yep, demise, because yep. uh, a lot of Protestants are, are possessed yes. around the world, mm-hmm. and they have nowhere to go to. They go to these uh, deliverance ministries that that do nothing for them right. other than just stir up the demon in Yep. And, uh, and they, they continue, in, and they in their... end up in a worse condition than when they absolutely they got there. Yeah, so gotta pray for them. Reverend Schultz decided to find out for himself what was going on by inviting Robbie to spend a night at his home. At his home that night, he watched with his own eyes as Robbie's bed moved back and forth and jumped up and down. When he asked the boy to try to sleep in a chair, it moved across the room, then fell on its side, leaving Robbie sprawled on the floor. Mm-hmm. When Schultz could not stand the chair upright, he realized he was in the presence of a colossal force and had a change of heart. He took Robbie home and told his parents, you have to see a Catholic priest. The Catholics know about things like this. You know, I wonder what happened to him if he, uh, if there was a conversion because he saw this for himself and he's, he knows in the direction where this, this boy could be healed. Yeah. You know, so I just wonder what his, if there was any cognitive dissonance in his heart to say, you know what, maybe I am wrong. The Catholic Church is the true church. It's possible. You know. Because he, he did send the boy to the Catholic yeah, Church, so, so there was something stirring up inside yeah, him. Right, yeah. right. The Manheims then visited St. James Catholic Church, not far from their home. Father E. Albert Hughes was chosen to assist the parents, yet prove totally unsuited for the task. He saw Robbie's potential for violence and ordered him to be put under restraint at a hospital. Yeah, one of the things, uh, apparently this priest says it was he was unsuitable. He didn't do a very good job. Yeah. Uh, the bishop has to, when they pick an exorcist, they don't just pick any Catholic priest. Right. A lot of, they pick the, 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 the diocesan bishop Based on the protocol written in 1614 AD, they picked the holiest priest in the diocese. Come on, mm-hmm. let's just be honest. There's levels of holiness within priests. They're not all the yep, same. They're not For all the some, same. For some, it's Absolutely just a job. Not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And then some, yep. it's. I mean, it's everything. It's they believe in the salvation of souls. Yeah. For some, they're consumed with the yes. interior life of holiness. So yep. there's a difference. And I yeah, there is I, a difference. I, as somebody, I've met more priests than anybody out there. Myself, I no, I don't think anybody's met more priests than me. And I've met some holy priests. Yes. And I met some very just plain secular, just like, hey, it's nine to five, and at five o'clock, don't bug me. Yeah. So, and apparently, this priest is probably not—he's probably not the top of the food chain in terms yep. of holiness. Mm-hmm. By the way, 
um, I, I also know from talking to Father Ripperger, he says if a priest is a, if a, is holy and he's not the mandated exorcist, but he's a good confessor, he says uh, he goes just uh, people that are holy and good confessors drive out demons in the confessional all the time. He, mm-hmm. he mentioned this one priest over here. He goes, I send all the people in Phoenix to this one priest over here. Uh, he had mentioned his name to me. The Mannheims then visited St. James Catholic Church not far from their home. Father E. Albert Hughes was chosen to assist the parents. Okay, we as Father Hughes began the ritual prayers, that's from the rite of exorcism, the boy managed to free his arm from restraint, reach underneath the bed and remove one of the bed, screams, bed springs. Mm. He then used it as a weapon, slashed open the priest's forearm from wrist to elbow, and took 100 stitches to close the wound. Mm. You'll find that the, the, per, the person wow. who's afflicted or possessed, they always want to attack the priest. That's why you mm-hmm. need lay people there, especially men. Yeah, to, to protect hold a person the, yeah, down. Yeah, because a priest needs to focus on yeah. on the on, on the, the prayers. prayers. Yeah, exactly. not on fighting the guy. Not, right. right, right. Shortly afterwards, the Mannheims moved to St. Louis, Missouri, to stay with Carl's uh, brother George and his wife Catherine. Terrifying things continue to happen to Robbie. Their daughter Elizabeth, who was a student at St. Louis University, approached her professor. Father Raymond J. Bishop to tell him about her cousin. After initial evaluation, the priest turned the case over to Father William S. Bowdern, uh, he's a a Jesuit, pastor at St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church, who was eventually assigned by then St. Louis Archbishop Joseph Ritter to perform an exorcism. Father Bowdern, described by a fellow Jesuit as totally fearless, as assisted by Father Walter Holleran and Father William Van Roo. And there you go. See, we, we're just talking about the holiness of a priest. The, the, the priest that was assigned is totally fearless. Yeah. Because he knew, he, he knows his priesthood. Yep. He knows the ministerial priesthood, how, you know, God has ordained them to bring souls to Christ. And that's what he was at that point knew his task was, is to bring this child to Christ and just uh, help him be delivered and heal him, you know, with the liberation from the demon and the demonic. From the very beginning of the exorcism, Father Bodern placed Our Lady of Fatima in the center of the fight. Mm, See? Mm -hmm. On his first visit to the home on March 11th, 1949, he was speaking with the Mannheims when they heard terrible screams upstairs from Robbie's room. When they entered, the boy was sitting up in his bed and was visibly frightened by what he sensed was an evil presence in the room. Father Bodern boldly placed his hands around the terrified boy's neck and began to pray the rosary. By the way, because of this case and some others, mm-hmm. this is why exorcists in the U.S. no longer go to people's houses. Specifically because of this case. Mm-hmm. This was a turning point in the U.S. where they say, where the bishops say, uh, we've got to. We've that gotta, was. We've got to bring the fight into uh, our territory where we have a position of advantage inside the Catholic yes, Church. Yes. And so after this case, pretty much across the country, they stopped doing exorcisms in people's homes. Yeah, and that's wonderful because uh, you know that was inspired. Yeah. By the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it was because also trial and error. Yeah, trial a lot, and error. A lot of yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Priests yeah. were getting attacked in people's homes yeah, even more yeah. so. And yeah. it just and and there's no liberation, and they're mm-hmm. saying, well, you, if you're doing it where the where the person's possessing the house, uh, you give the demon a position of advantage. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. After he finished, Father Bodern preached a spontaneous homily in which he told Robbie about three children around his age, 
who had seen something that other people had not seen. Father Bodern then explained the Fatima apparitions and how those children received a special privilege of seeing the mother of God, whose name is Mary. This helped explain the, the Hail Mary to the boy who was not Catholic. The teenager was fascinated by the Fatima story, and Father Bowden repeated it several times over the next 38 days. This led Robbie to inquire more about the Catholic faith and ultimately led to his conversion and later that of his parents. On March 23rd, he began his study of the Catechism and was baptized on April 1st. The following day, Robbie received his first communion. Father Bowden wisely suggested that because it was the first Saturday of the month, they prayed the rosary in honor of Our Lady of Fatima. On April 10th, March, on April 10th, Paul Sunday, <clears throat> Robbie was taking clarity to the nearby Ale Alexian Brothers Hospital and admitted to the psychiatric wing. This provided the exorcist more privacy, but also means to deal with the boy. After his baptism, the devils which possessed Robbie became more violent. Upon his well, arrival, <laughs> Brother Rector Cornelius brought a statue of Our Lady of Fatima and placed it in the main ground floor corridor. Yeah, of course, he was losing him. Yeah. The devil was losing. His clutches were slipping away. And exactly. That's why he became... Over the next uh, next weeks, Father Bowden and his assistant, assistant priest endured unspeakable insults, blasphemies, filthy language, and even violence from the devils who possessed the boy. At one point, Father Holloran had his nose broken by Robbie, hit him with a, with a precise blow with his eyes closed. Through the whole process, Father Bowdern pondered something the devil had uttered in the beginning. He said, quote, I will not go, the guttural voice said, until a certain word is pronounced, and I will not allow this boy to say it. During Holy Week, Father Bowdern had great hopes that our Lord might free Robbie in the day of the, his glorious resurrection. On Holy Saturday, Brother Cornelius had a statue of St. Michael brought to Robbie's room and placed in the corner. However, Easter Sunday came and went, but the next morning something truly extraordinary occurred. Robbie awoke in a fury and the same foul voice taunted the priest. As he, uh, the, de the demon said, quote, He has to say one more word, one little word. I mean one big word. He'll never say it. I am always in him. This is the demon talking. Mm -hmm. I may not have much power always, but I am in him. He will never say that word. Close Just quote. like uh, Richard Ramirez. Remember you went? He <coughs> said he couldn't say Jesus is Lord. Exactly. So this is what the demon did to uh, Richard Ramirez. The same thing he did to Robbie. Yes. Whenever the evil spirit manifested himself in Robbie, he would always go into what appeared like a seizure. The boy's voice on these occasion, occasions was distinguishable by its cynical, harsh, and diabolical tone. Throughout the day, Father Bowden and his assistant heard this voice. The night, however, that night, however, something changed. An entirely different voice came from forth from Robbie. So now, and then at 10:45 p.m., we're going to talk about Saint Michael here. Uh, Robbie became very calm and entered a trance-like state, as was usual. However, those in the room were surprised when they heard a completely different voice come from the boy. The voice did not provoke fear and disgust, but rather confidence and hope. In clear and commanding tones, an august personage said, quote, Satan, Satan, I am Saint Michael, and I command you, Satan and the other evil spirits, to leave the body in the name of Dominus. Immediately, now, 
now, now. Robbie then went into the most violent convulsions of the entire exorcism. Wow. Finally, he became calm again and, and said to those surrounding his bed, he is gone. Robbie wow. explained what he saw. St. Michael appeared, a very beautiful man with flowing wavy hair that blew in the breeze as he stood in the midst of a brilliant white light. In his right hand, he held a wavy and fiery sword in front of him. With his left hand, he pointed down to a pit. The boy described how he felt heat come forth, but also he saw the devil laughingly resist St. Michael. What happened next clearly showed that the devil was out, outmatched by the abrupt appearance of, this angelic of his angelic nemesis on the spiritual battlefield. St. Michael turned towards Robbie, smiled, and then spoke. However, the only word that Robbie heard while in the trance was the one which his tormentor had sworn he would never allow him to say. Domino. With that one word, Robbie was free at last. We'll be right back. Yes. Stay with us, family. See us in the next segment. This is getting good. We are back, Jesus 911. Thank you for staying with us, family. This is just an interesting topic on 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 Robbie Mannheim, who was uh, actually the 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 person that was um, represented in the movie The Exorcist. Yeah, that 1973 19. movie. So this is it was not a female Linda no. Blair. Mm -hmm. It was a young male, and uh, a lot of this was not depicted in the actual movie. All the particulars about. Uh, Saint um, Saint Michael the Archangel and Our Lady of Fatima actually doing the liberation. He was liberated yes. by these saints that yes. came from heaven. It wasn't it wasn't through the exorcisms. Mm -hmm. So it wraps up like this: After these horrific events, Robbie went on to lead a normal life. He eventually married and named his first son Michael after the warrior angel who came to his rescue in time of urgent need. Father William Bowden remained the pastor of St. Francis Xavier until 1956. While it might have seemed that his life was also went on as usual, the opposite is true. Relatives say that until his death in 1983, at the age of 86, this heroic priest suffered mentally and physically from what he endured during the exorcism. It's called wow. retaliation. Yep, yep. Yeah. And that's where... Yeah, prayer life is so important for an exorcist. Um, deep, we, deep interior life. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So This stunning victory of St. Michael over the devil, in the case of Robbie Mannheim, is merely the continuation of a war that started in the beginning of creation. The fact that this particular episode between the angel of light and his eternal enemy centered on one word, Dominus, which is, which is Latin for Lord. It's not surprising it's actually linked to the Fatima message. In one of her apparitions to the, to the three children, Our Lady said that if mankind did not convert Russia, would spread their, her errors throughout the world. One of the errors, actually the principal one, is... Okay. Egalitarianism. Egalitarianism. <laughs> Egalitarianism. <laughs> Philosophy, which rejects any superiority. In other words, that's communism. Yep. We're all equal. We're yep. all the same. And, and it looks like it's coming into the United States, yep. by the way. Yep. Uh, to refer to someone, actually anyone, as Dominus, Latin for Lord, is an outright affront to the egalitarian spirit. 
Why? Because that indicates that there's a pecking order in, right. in, in create the created order. Right. And for communists, there isn't. Well, the only pecking order is them. It's yeah. us, the the, uh, the 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 oligarchy, uh, and then the us rest this of you. Way, and them that. Yeah, That's and it. then the rest of you. Right. Right. Exactly. Not God, they, and there's and God is not allowed in the communist system. So mm -hmm. to say yep. Dominus, this would be an offense to not only uh, Satanism yep. and 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 but also communism. Mm -hmm. This explains the almost childlike joy shown by Saint Michael when he smiled at Robbie before categorically pronouncing that detestable word. He quote unquote. Yeah. He thus reaffirmed God's superiority but also his power over the enemy of man. In the 70 years since this exorcism, the belief in Satan, even in a Hollywoodian version, mm -hmm. has actually increased, and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Very lamentably, belief in St. Michael and the angels, who are waiting to come to, to, the, to aid the faithful, has mm -hmm. decreased. Mm -hmm. One should therefore meditate on the extraordinary story of this warrior angel's intercession in the life of a defenseless boy, and repeat the words of the man leaving the theater in 1973. I believe, I believe. Yeah. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for, for us. us. Our Lady of Fatima, pray, pray for, for us. us. And I think that's that, those are words that we need to uh, repeat to ourselves every day. We get up, I believe, I believe in you, Lord. Yeah. I believe in, in you. You are my creator. I love you. Yeah. We have to keep telling us that because that's when we make you know a decision i'm going to follow you lord today and that's why it's important for example mm -hmm. uh, like praying the rosary or the yes. Dona rosary because mm -hmm. that, that's the prayer that you do i believe i believe credo i believe I, in I one believe. god the father so yes. it's important to pray the rosary or whatever form the Delo rosary mm -hmm. because you'll pray the apostles creed which this is what the demons fear, mm -hmm. is when you start saying personally, I believe, I believe. Mm -hmm. Demons fear that, and you protect yourself when you do that. That, 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 that uh, provides a protective mm -hmm. covering for you, just like the sh what the Bible calls the shield. Faith is called the shield the of shield. faith. Mm -hmm. The shield of faith. So when you say, I believe, what are you doing? You're picking up your shield. Yeah, your shield. When you don't believe, guess what? Shield's down. Mm -hmm. Right. Shield's the sh right. A shield on the floor is no good to a Spartan or Roman right. soldier. It's no good right. to them. Shield up, can't do nothing to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you, you know, and, and I'm just picturing, you know, the, the, you know, right now we could relate it to what's happening right now in the Middle East, Israel and, and Hamas and the uh, Palestinians. You know, the, the, you know, we're getting, the Palestinians are shooting rockets and the Israelis are, are, are blocking them with their iron dome. That is our iron dome, our prayers, just blocking, yeah. blocking. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's yeah. it. And that's the shield, what, that's a perfect example. That's why the Bible calls yes, it the, the shield. shield. Yeah, shield. chapter 6. And they call it the iron dome. Yep. We want to talk about St. Teresa of Avila, doctor of the church, and the way she would go at night in mm -hmm. front of, go to cemeteries, take a crucifix mm -hmm. with her, and pray against evil spirits. Uh the deep mysticism of Teresa of Avila and how she draws us through the through that depth to the high places of the Lord. How much better to read her writings than those of, of the worldly religious. Here's what she says. She says, I was in a monastery of the order of the glorious Saint Dominic, thinking of the many sins which in times past I had confessed in that house and other things concerning my wicked life. 
when there came upon me a rapture so vehement that it nearly drew me forth out of myself altogether. Teresa recalled in her autobiography, It was a feast of the Assumption. I sat down, and I remember even now that I could neither see the elevation nor hear Mass being said, and later this caused me concern out of scruple. While in this state, I thought I saw myself being clothed in a garment of great whiteness and brightness. At first, I could not see who was clothing me, but later I saw Our Lady on my right hand and my father, St. Joseph, on my left, and it was they who were putting that garment on me. This, what she's saying right here, it reminds me of, this is what baptism does. You put on mm -hmm. the white garment of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's the theology of baptism. You put on the purity uh, of Christ. And by the way, the robes that we're going to receive in heaven, mm -hmm. uh, the fathers of the church tell us, are our baptismal robes. We're going to be dressed in white again in heaven, mm -hmm. those who are in heaven. And also something interesting, the fathers of the church say that Adam and Eve, initially they were clothed in white. They had white robes. Mm -hmm. When they sinned, those white robes were taken away, mm -hmm. and now they could see their nakedness, complete mm -hmm. nakedness. But they were covered in white robes. They had sanctifying grace. After they sinned, the white robes were gone. So this is, this is a powerful metaphor here because all yes, of us one day... Is. God willing, if we die in a state of grace, we're going to see, we're going to see, receive that white robe of, of brightness and mm -hmm. holiness. Mm -hmm. So she writes, what does she say here? She says, I was given to understand that I was now cleansed of my sins. And she continued, reminding us of other accounts of heaven, whereby pristine robes are worn by those who have journeyed to the other side. When the clothing was ended and I was experiencing the greatest joy and bliss, I thought that Our Lady suddenly took me by the hands and told me that I was giving her great pleasure by serving St. Joseph. The rapture is believed to have occurred during 1561 in the chapel known as Santismo Cristo in the Church of St. Thomas in Avila, Spain. There she was also instructed, despite her inclinations, on obedience to the bishop. Whatever her own desire or plans, she said, this was what was pleasing to the Lord and what eventually bore fruit, for the Lord worked through the church procedure. She, she also was shown hell, by the way, as were the seers mm. of Fatima. Most people don't know that. Yep. So St. Wow. Teresa of Avila, doctor of the church, was also shown a vision mm -hmm. of hell. She writes a little bit about it. She doesn't go that into that much detail. She says, my feelings... I think, could not possibly be exaggerated, nor can anyone understand them. I felt the fire within my soul, the nature of which I am utterly incapable of describing. My bodily sufferings were so intolerable that though in my life I have endured the, the severest sufferings of this kind, the worse it is possible to endure. The doctors say, such as the shrinking of the nerves during my paralysis and many divers more, some of them, as I have said, caused by the devil, None of them is of the smallest account by comparison with what I felt then. To say nothing of the knowledge that they could be endless and never ceasing. So two things that jump out at me. She says that hell, the, the pain is going to be endless and never yeah. ceasing. Mm -hmm. She also says there's bodily sufferings, sufferings. that are intolerable in hell. Mm. And she was, she was allowed to experience that. Wow. And then she also says, which I've, I read from other saints, that there's a fire within the soul, a burning fire, which is extremely painful. 
She says, incapable of describing this fire in my soul. So those are just some of the descriptions of hell. Guess what? I don't want to go there. Yeah. So I will live and die in a state of grace. Mm -hmm. Let's get com get confessed yep. once a month. Yep. <laughs> in that pestil in that pestilential spot where I was powerless to hope for comfort, it was impossible to sit or lie, for there was no room to do so. I had been put in this place which looked like a hole in the wall, and those very walls, so terrible to the sight, bore down upon me and completely stifled me. There was no light, and everything was in the blackest darkness. So another description of hell. Mm -hmm. Everything yes. is in the blackest, blackest. and darkness. Mm -hmm. So if you like perpetual darkness, you'll love hell. Yep. Mm -hmm. The devil, how many guises he has, how he plays both sides of every fence. Mm -hmm. in, in a time of spiritual warfare, the saint told herself, and through her, her self-admonition -admon, told us, quote, if this Lord is powerful as I see he is, and if the devils are his slaves, and if that there can be no doubt, for it is an article of the faith, what harm can they do to me? Who am I? who am a servant of this Lord and King. How can I fail to have to have fortitude enough to fight all the hell? Well, we'll continue this article on uh, St. Teresa of Avila, our next next segment. Stay yep. with us, family. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. Pray for us. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Teresa of Avila, pray for us. Pray for us. And St. Yes. Paul of the Cross is his feast day today. Pray for us. Pray for us. I like that last uh, that last phrase that St. Teresa of Avila wrote. So she's mm -hmm. talking about in a time of spiritual warfare. What she means by that, mm -hmm. she would get up at night and she'd go to the cemetery. She would take crucifix and she would engage in spiritual warfare. What, that mean? what does that mean? Prayers. And here, the last sentence that my wife shared, I love it. When she says, this is what she does. Or this is her disposition when she goes to a cemetery at night. She says, if this Lord is powerful, as I see he is, and if the devils are his slaves, and of that there can be no doubt, uh, what harm can they do to me, who am a servant of this Lord and King? And she says, how can I fail to have, to have fortitude enough to fight all how wow what Talk a brave courage man. brave soul but you know it talks Sheesh. but this tells you how her interior life is yeah very clean clean with god yeah, you can't talk like you that unless you're completely absolutely. clean if absolutely you're doing something <clears throat> yeah mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely you're not, not. going to talk like that when, you, when you're in mortal sin you feel yep. fear yep yeah. there's fear so she says so i took a cross in my hand and it really seemed that god was giving me courage she wrote in a short time, I found I was another person. I should not have been afraid to wrestle with devils. For with the aid of the cr that cross, I believed I could vanquish them all indeed. <laughs> that's wow. confidence. But yes. that's confidence not in herself. That's confidence in Christ. Christ, right. Christ in her, the hope of glory. Mm -hmm. uh, she, she said, indeed, these devils keep us in terror because we make ourselves liable to be terrorized by contracting other attachments, in other words, sin, mm -hmm. to honors, for example, then to possessions and pleasures. One might add, to church chatter 
instead of devotion in church, to politics instead of the Catholic essence. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I see right now in this country. Many Catholic that are Democrats, mm -hmm. they seem to be more political than Catholic. Mm -hmm. The yep. politics seem, and, and St. Teresa of Avila yep. warned us about being, uh, you know, about, about politics, uh, letting politics, mm -hmm. you know, be your engine instead of the Catholic essence. Right. And then she says, when this happens to St. Teresa, referring to worldly attachments, like again, politics could be a worldly attachment when you, if you, it becomes disordered. The devils join forces with us since by loving and desiring what we ought to hate, we become our own enemies and they will do to us much harm. We make them fight against us with our own weapons, which we put into our hands when we ought to be using them in our own defense. That is the great pity of all. If only we will hate everything for God's sake and embrace the cross and try to serve him in truth. The devil will fly from these truths as from the plague. Plague seems like a good thing to flee from these days. Let the devil wallow in that instead of ourselves. Plague. Oh, that we free ourselves, Lord, from the angst, angst of religious trivia. Please, God, I be not one of these, wrote the saint. May his majesty help me to find comfort in what is really comfort, to call honor what is really honor, and to take delight in what is really delight, and not the other way around. She says, not yeah. a fig shall I care for all the devils in hell. It is they who will fear me. Mm -hmm. and, and why can she speak that boldly because she lives in a state of sanctifying grace, grace and she lives a life of purity and holiness you can only talk like that if you're right with God you and you turned your back on the world yeah and turned your back on the world and you turned towards Christ and that's literally what, what the Carmelites have done yeah mm -hmm. and yeah. They, they follow through they, their holiness yeah they they followed mm -hmm. their founder Elijah mm -hmm. just like Elijah turned his back yep. to the world mm -hmm. so have the Carmelites who are the daughters of Elijah yeah as a matter of fact we were there yeah well just before we left uh, we uh, spend the day in uh, Mount Carmel mm -hmm. and uh, we were there at the where Elijah was taken Elijah, up by a fiery mm -hmm. chariot yes. into heaven. We were there in the cave. In the cave. <clears throat> yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful chapel. Yes. Yes, surrounds it. Mm -hmm. Now, the sign of the cross, I'll, I'll tell you, St. Teresa of Avila is not the only person that talks about the power of the sign of the cross. This is this is a way by faith, not superstition, that Catholics have been driving out demons for a long time. Mm -hmm. Let me go back to 320 AD. There's a Lucius... Lactantius. He was a, mm -hmm. a Catholic Christian apologist. You he, say that very well. <laughs> yeah, he was a historian. He was an advisor to Emperor Constantine, and he wrote he wrote a letter to Diocletian, who was the emperor, uh, who, who was a wicked emperor. Or you no, know, he wrote about Diocletian, the wicked emperor. Mm -hmm. But he wrote this to Emperor Constantine. He said this: Emperor Diocletian, during his abode in the East, he began to slay victims. Those were Christians, Catholic Christians, mm -hmm. while he sacrificed. Some attendants of his who were Christians stood by and they put the immortal sign on their foreheads. At this, the demons were chased away and the holy rites interrupted. Wow. St. Athanasius, he, uh, one of the great fathers of the church who passed away in 373 AD. He, he, uh, there's two things he says here. One about the sign of the cross he says, go ahead, babe. What does he say about the sign He's, of the cross? What, he says, the sign of the cross and the name of Jesus Christ puts demons to flight. 
in the very presence of the fraud of demons and the imposture of the oracles and the wonders of magic. Let them use the sign of the cross, which they all mock at, but speak the name of Christ, and he shall see how through him, Christ, demons are routed, oracles cease, and all magic and witchcraft is confounded. Oracles, wow. those are the prophecies yep. of uh, shamans and... and uh, the prayers. And, yeah, yeah, of the, these... Right. Uh, yeah, the sorcerers and wizards. Sorcerers. Yeah, those are the... Uh, St. Clement of Rome, he says, use the sign of the cross against demons. Mm -hmm. St. Catherine Siena, she says, we must fight demons courageously by the sign of the cross. St. John Vianney says, the demon is very cunning, but he's not strong. Making the sign of the cross puts him to flight. St. Faustina, she says, I made the sign of the cross and he, the devil, fled. Father Gabriel Morth, rest in peace, said the sign of the cross chases demons away. Mm -hmm. You know, Anita, also in, mm -hmm. in the Catholic Missal, the, the Roman Catholic Daily Missal, the, the, the 1962 version, mm -hmm. the one that we have, it actually says on page 893, mm -hmm. it says, these signs and it, of the cross call down the blessing of God. So if you want to know what the theology of this it tells you it calls down the blessing of God. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I also think about Hollywood, all the Dracula movies that they've made in the past. If you notice when you watch a Dracula movie, do you think it's a coincidence that Dracula fears the silver crucifix? No, no of course no. not. No, it's no, no coincidence. I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> Dracula's fear resembles exactly the way demons fear mm -hmm. and are driven back by the sign of the cross. In fact, Dracula is a type of demon. Mm -hmm. It's a type of a physical manifestation yeah. of a demon. Right, right. And that's why we, when we enter the church, please dip your beautiful fingers in the holy water and make the sign of the cross. There you start your, your, your journey you know, to meet Christ in the Holy Eucharist in Mass. And think about the theology of it. Yes. It's, it's the sign and of the, the cross, cross calls down, down the blessing of God upon you. Blessing it's that God. simple. Mm -hmm. Just like a curse yep. calls down, uh, you know, a, a, yes. a, 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 a malediction upon you. Mm -hmm. The sign of the cross, That's here's a theology, it calls down God's blessing upon you. Yes. Simple. Yes, and, and I think uh, not many people just walk in and they don't reverence themselves. They don't make the sign of the cross. And uh, they don't realize how many graces you get by doing that. Yep. Uh, I think some men think, oh, that's, that's for women. Only women yep. do that. You know, that, and that's also a form of submission. We're submitting ourselves to Christ. We say, I belong, yeah. I belong to you, God. Right. This is, I belong to you. I'm on your team. Yeah, that's yep. exactly... And it goes uh, back all the way to the Old Testament. Yes. The Jews that, back in the days of Ezekiel, many Jews were involved in idolatry. Uh, a small remnant of Jews were not involved mm -hmm. in idolatry. Yeah. And God got fed up and God told his angels, go down to Jerusalem and, and kill all the people that have got involved in idolatry. But the ones that, but the ones that have not committed idolatry marked their forehead with a cross. Mm -hmm. And so we see 700 years before Christ the cross was already being shown to the Jews. That's the symbol. That's the sign of our salvation. That's how we're going to be saved. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah. 
that uh, and I think a lot of Jews when you we're you know, sealed. Yeah, exactly. Sealed. That's, what That's it means. a sealed. We're yeah. sealed. And look at remember confirmation, baptism, yeah. uh, uh, confirmation. What are we doing? We are sealed with yeah. the sign of the cross. That's what that means. Exactly. Uh, that's yeah, the theology. Of it. Yes, that's just uh, our our faith is so beautiful. If any, if every, we need to share it. Yes. We need to share these little things. Oh, we make the sign of the cross when we. Why do you do that? Don't be ashamed to do it in front of people that are non-believers, because you know what? They're going to want to question you. Why do you do that? Let me share you know, a story with you about mm-hmm. about the power of the cross. Yes. Terry Barber, my friend, my my partner that I do the Terry and Jesse show with, mm-hmm. he took his uh, d- a wife to go eat breakfast. I forget where, like at a Denny's or something. Yeah. And Terry, you know him, he's a serious Catholic. Yeah. He, he makes a sign of the cross. He prays loud. Yeah, he goes, in the know. name of the Father yeah. and the Son oh, and yeah. the Holy Spirit. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody in the restaurant can hear him and his, him, you know, they can hear him, not his wife. He's great. He's so, a wonderful man. So some lady runs up to him and she looks like she's insulted. Like, hey, hey, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? She starts questioning why he made the sign of the cross. And Terry's like, hey, calm down, lady. I'm just, you know, I'm Catholic. I, I pray grace before meals. And the lady at first seemed to be like hostile the way she was asking Terry. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of softened up a bit. And Terry says, well, you know, I pray before meals. I'm a Catholic. Just, you know, relax. And the lady then told Terry, he says, you know what? Uh, thank you for doing that. You gave me hope because I was thinking of committing suicide after breakfast. But when I saw you and your wife make the sign of the cross and pray before meals, she said, uh, I, I think I think I want to live now. And she walked out of the restaurant completely transformed by seeing Terry Barber and his wife Mary make the sign of the cross before a simple breakfast at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Here this lady was bent on committing suicide this morning, but she saw two Catholics praying and make the sign of the cross. And there was there was obviously grace mm-hmm. uh, that, that, yeah. that, that, that... It's that, called orthopraxy. Yeah. That yeah. was projected in her direction and mm-hmm. she received that grace and all of a sudden she mm-hmm. had a change of heart and says, you know what? I don't want to kill myself yeah. anymore. Yes. Yeah. We got to be witnesses. Be witnesses out there. Yeah. Family, because be that's how we Jesus. can bring people to Christ through our example. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We're going to pray a prayer that demons hate. Arise, so O Lord, Lord, and let, let your enemies be scattered and let them that, that hate, thee. hate thee. Flee from, from thy, whole, thy holy face. face. Name of the Father, Father Son, and the Holy, holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. We'll get it right Psalm next time. 68, <laughs> verse 1 and 2. The most feared verse by demons according to St. Athanasius. Yes. Hey, that's a wrap, family. We're God done. God bless you. We'll see you next week. God Don't... bless you. Keep the faith. You men, World of Blaze next Saturday. Oh, yeah. In Modesto, California. World of Blaze Men's Conference.